We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast on a Friday and what a week it's been for Oklahoma Sooner Baseball. With the 22nd pick of the 2020 MLB Draft, the Washington Nationals select Cade Cavalli, a right-handed pitcher from the University of Oklahoma. The Cleveland Indians have the next pick. Great name, Cade Cavalli. He also is the go-to barber, by the way, at Oklahoma, which is just pointed out. That's kind of a big deal. You know, you got to be able to cut hair. This guy looks like a major league pitcher already. He looks like one. Totally. His delivery was described as clean as a whistle. He's got potentially three-plus pitches. He's up to 99. He's got a near-ideal frame. I mean, this guy checks all the boxes, and the Nationals are known for going for upside, potential frontline guys. That is this guy. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, he's definitely a potential front round guy or front line guy. When you look at Cavalli, I think the one thing that's interesting is he's extremely athletic. And and Kylie said it, like the the mechanics are insanely clean when you look at it, but it's insanely clean mechanics with a 98 mile an hour fastball. And the simplicity with which he repeats it is something that, that I think is really impressive. It's a real swing and miss breaking ball. Maybe hasn't landed it quite as much as you would like to see. But the reality is he hasn't pitched that much. Three years at Oklahoma, he's thrown 101 innings total, just 18 starts. This year, punched out 37 and 23 and two-thirds. It's the ability to elevate that fastball that, from an analytical standpoint, everybody likes so much. He was a two-way guy at Oklahoma, could swing the bat. Um, The Nationals got an incredibly athletic, 
power right-handed pitcher at this point, and maybe it's a good thing that you've only thrown 100 innings at the collegiate level because there's plenty of bullets left. He's a guy that you can see projecting as a major league starter for a long time because the fastball breaking ball combination right now is very, very good. Yeah, the raw stuff here to the eye looks great. On the data, it looks very good. As I said, this guy checks the boxes. The fastball velocity, he's up to 99. He's averaging mid-90s. There's not a lot of guys that can do this and throw strikes. That's where the athleticism comes in, being able to repeat his delivery. So the curveball velocity, when you're looking at how to grade a pitch using TrackMan data, you look at spin rate, you look at movement, you look at velocity. When guys are throwing a curveball that looks good to your eye and it's 82 and it's got big movement, which this one does, these are the guys you see compared to A.J. Burnett, or the big hooks that you see on TV and you're like, oh, that, that's the one. So I've seen a whole bunch of other guys taken and I've heard nothing but raves about him. What's the, what's, what's the hang up here? KP, is, where, where, is the, where are the holes here in this arsenal? Well, I mean, I think the hole right now is there's there's not a lot of, of history. There's 101 innings. Um, he didn't throw as many as, as or as many innings as a lot of the starters that we're going to see from the collegiate level. But when you just look at the basics of it, I mean, that that's that's as clean as you want to see going to home plate as a starter. Um, the hole would be, is it going to be consistent enough? You know, if you want to poke another hole, has he been consistent enough in the zone? Maybe not necessarily. You'd like to see it more, but he's also 21 years old. Here's what I would say, though, overall. This could be the start of a run on collegiate pitchers right now. Beater, Wilcox, Ginn, guys like that that projected very similar. Cade Cavalli in the first round back-to-back -back seasons with the Sooners having a first-round pick, of course, Sooner signee Ed Howard went in the first round as well, too. He was drafted by the Chicago Cubs, but the fun didn't stop there. Signee Dax Fulton went in the second round to the Marlins. Weekend starter Levi Prater went in the third round to the Cardinals. And in the fourth round, Dane Acker went to the A's. Well, catcher Brady Lindsley was drafted by the Nationals. It's, it's an awesome recruiting tool now to say you had your entire weekend staff go in the first four rounds of the Major League Baseball draft with Cavalli, your Friday starter, Prater, your Saturday starter, and Aker, your Sunday starter. It also means a little bit of retooling and regrouping for Skip Johnson and crew, but regardless, great moment for Sooner Baseball this past week. Looking ahead next week, Kate Cavalli and Skip Johnson are going to be on the Sooner Sports Podcast to kind of look ahead and look back on the season that was and the future for Oklahoma Sooner Baseball. In the case of Cade Cavalli, what looks to be a pretty solid Major League Baseball career. Well, the Sooner Sports Podcast on a Friday is loaded beyond our baseball celebration. We're going to hear from Lincoln Riley in just a bit. Uh, Saturday, that's tomorrow, our Sooner Classic is Oklahoma and Missouri in the 2008 Big 12 Championship game. Now, the game ended up being a little bit of a, of a runaway for the Sooners late, but it's also a great tale of what could have been. So we brought in DeMarco Murray to talk about the 2008 team and the challenging injury that took him out of the national championship game. DeMarco is coming up a little bit later on in this show. Uh, we're going to have the Spotlight Show, which is now known as Sooner Sound Off. So Spotlight has taken the summer off. Sooner Sound Off has taken its place where we debate the biggest kind of topics 
in Sooner history. And Jack Daniel from Pike Past is going to join us coming up on the Sooner Sports Podcast, which is brought to you today in part by AT&T, America's best network, Academy Sports and Outdoors, the preferred sporting goods retailer of Oklahoma Athletics, Metroplex Electric, we can be your electrician, and don't forget, deposits for the 2020 Oklahoma men's and women's basketball season tickets are currently on sale. You can lock in your seats today by visiting Soonersports.com. All right, we talked about the Major League Baseball draft. What about now kind of the repercussions of the NFL draft? We've heard from Lincoln Riley on the July 1 reporting date. We've heard from Lincoln Riley on how they have handled COVID-19. But what about where his quarterbacks ended up and how he sees their future in the NFL? Lincoln was on with the Move the Sticks crew. That's Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah on the NFL Network and had this to say about his quarterbacks of the past. And I've never seen anything like it. There hasn't ever been anything like it with what you've had here with these last three quarterbacks in a row. I'd love to just get some thoughts on on each of them. Here, start with Baker. Um, I went back and looked at my notes on Baker uh, his junior year at Oklahoma, and then I went and looked at where he was his senior year, and I thought the improvement he made in that in that time frame in terms of the footwork, I thought – uh, was tremendous. He was falling awesome throws, got a little bit sloppy. He was just so much more firm and grounded and rooted um, that last year. And then I thought when you look at him in the NFL, the first year he, he was he was really good. And I thought some of those bad habits returned a little bit. What did you do uh, to be able to kind of take his footwork to the next level there in, in your coaching? Well, I think his first just just getting comfortable and understanding you know exactly what we wanted to do. Uh, schematically, um, understanding the players around him and, and having confidence in that where that he could set his feet and go. And then, and I think for a guy like Baker, he has such a talented arm that it was the realization of, yes, I get that you can make this throw maybe without great footwork, but look how much better, look how much more consistent it can be when you tie in great footwork with it. And uh, to give him credit, he, he really took off and ran with it. And so, uh, yeah, and then watching him, you know, the last couple of years, he's had some really, really, you know, great moments, some some huge ups. I know he's had some low moments too, which I think some of that is just part of being a young quarterback in that league. But mm-hmm. certainly excited to see him hopefully get some continuity. I mean, it's definitely not easy when you've had, I don't even know what number of head coach he's going on in such a short career. I, I think three, uh, maybe four. So it's been, uh, you know, he's, he's had a lot of different uh, coaches, coordinators, play callers, you know, so I think for anybody, if he could, you know, when he's able to get some continuity, which hopefully this new group can provide, I think they're going to see one hell of a player. You know, Coach, it's funny that you bring up continuity because the next quarterback, Callum Murray, appeared to have a little level of continuity joining Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, running some of those things that you guys ran at Oklahoma. And he goes on to be the offensive rookie of the year. When I look at Callum Murray, I think two things, efficient and explosive. How are you able to take a guy that is a dynamic athlete but get him to be disciplined and patient enough in the pocket to be an efficient passer. Well, he had a lot of that comes from, you know, his dad, uh, you know, Kevin was a, a really good player and has always uh, been a, a big influence on Kyler's career. So he, he came in with a good understanding of, of the throw game and he's, I always give Kyler credit despite, you know, the obvious, just unbelievable athleticism he has. He's always wanted to be a thrower first, and he's always had that mentality, and he was hungry to learn. The, the competitive situation that developed here between him and Baker was really tremendous for both of them. I, I don't know that either one of them would have been the player that they'd become without that. And so those guys went back and forth. They challenged each other. They learned from each other, uh, and, and Kyler – 
you know, like I said, his athleticism gets so much attention, but he is a very, very smart, detailed um, uh, player in the passing game. He's an elite thrower, and uh, I think a lot of people are starting to see that. So, and like you said, he's got a got a chance to have some continuity with with uh, with Coach Kingsbury there um, at Arizona, and obviously adding Hopkins, all that that adding a guy like that to, to their arsenal. Um, they should be pretty fun to watch this year. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun group. It's gonna be an interesting situation in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts going there in the second round. Carson Wentz obviously entrenched there as the starter. Um, but wh- where's the upside for Jalen Hurts, Coach? You got to see his growth when your brief time together and saw that improvement. Uh, what is left ahead of him? Yeah, he's got a lot of upside. You know, we we had a great time with him. I, I've said many times I, I wish I had him for more than one year uh, because he uh, it was fun to see how much he progressed in such a short time and. And, and I think the ultimate upside that everybody sees is just, you know, when you go back to the kid's senior year in high school uh, into his first year now in the NFL, it's going to be six years and six different offensive coordinators. Um, so uh, it's hard to do. And uh, the guy's done it uh, at a high level, the things he brings. I mean, he's a winner. He's, he's extremely tough, extremely durable, works very, very hard at his game and is a talented player um, and, and very smart. So, I mean, he's – He's got the skills you want. And so, you know, how it's going to look when somebody's actually able to develop him, you know, have some continuity with this guy is, is, is I think, very, very important. And I think it's something that the Eagles recognize. And I think they have confidence in their offensive staff, obviously, Coach Peterson. And uh, those guys, more than any, know how important it is to have more than one good quarterback because, let's be honest, if they didn't have that, they wouldn't have a uh, recent Lombardi trophy sitting in their facility right now. The Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you by Chick-fil-A. Even in these uncertain times, your Oklahoma Chick-fil-A restaurants are here to serve you. Dining rooms are closed, but where possible, you can still order from the drive-thru, the Chick-fil-A app, or from DoorDash. Sooner fans, it's important you know that Pizza Hut is still here and ready to serve you the pizza you love. Whether it's picked up for carry-out or delivered hot to your doorstep, contactless delivery is one of the many ways that we're working to help provide you and our employees the safest experience possible, no matter your location. If you want a more contactless option and prefer your pizza left at the door upon delivery, no problem. Place your order at PizzaHut.com or the Pizza Hut app. Sooner Sports Podcast rolls on, and we are joined right now by Jack Damrell. He is with Pike Pass, and it's here. The Chandler Service Plaza opened up. Last week, can you kind of take, as someone who regularly travels the Turnpike, that is awesome, and that thing looks amazing. So kind of take me through the the genesis of it and, and watching it grow. Sure, yeah, and, you know, for a lot of Sooner fans, they'll know what we're talking about, uh, Chris, because of their travel between uh, Tulsa and Oklahoma City and Norman, of course, going to the game. So what we've done is we're actually splitting the Stroud Service Plaza into two plazas, so the Stroud Plaza will eventually be a westbound-only plaza, and the new Chandler Service Plaza will be an eastbound-only plaza. So when you're traveling to Tulsa from Oklahoma City, that new plaza is going to be around mile marker 169. That is just past the old Chandler uh, Service Plaza, which is at the Chandler exit. And so it's not too far from Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, we are expanding our footprint out there on the Turner Turnpike, obviously, because once travel does back increase, uh, once it once it grows back up, of course, after COVID-19, uh, we expect that travel plaza to be very busy. Uh, we've increased the semi-truck parking. Uh, we've increased the footprint of the building. Uh, you know, we now have a McDonald's restaurant, a barbecue restaurant, and, of course, the convenience store, uh, which offers the fuel facility. So it's a very nice facility. It's very modern. 
Um, it's an incredible place that people will feel safe when they stop because when you stop now at Stroud, as you probably well know, that place is a zoo when <laughs> there's a lot of people in there. So this this will hopefully separate that and make it a much safer place to stop for people when they're traveling back and forth between Oklahoma City, Norman, and Tulsa. I love it, Jack. I travel quite a bit because my family, a lot of my family lives in Tulsa, my wife's family. So we spend a lot of time on the turnpike. And I guess what has wowed me is – just how smoothly it and, and I'm getting to drive by and look at it, so I'm sure there's been a different angle for you. But it just seems as if it's been very smooth and actually really quick in getting it up. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's a uh, you know we we wanted to open it uh, probably late last year, but that just didn't happen with weather conditions, and right. and that's what happens in in big time construction projects is there are some delays, and that's what happened. But we finally got it open, and we took our time in doing it. You know, we didn't cut corners. Um, you know, we really uh, like this plaza. It's, it's really incredible. When I was there on opening day on uh, last week, last Friday, I was just amazed at the size of the parking lot. Just, and what we've done also, I, I should in, interrupt myself, is we've separated the semi-trucks from small cars. So wow. if you're in a passenger car, you don't have to worry about getting run over by a semi because we've separated those two uh, vehicles so that you do feel safe. And that was a big uh, part of what we did is we wanted to separate the two uh, so that if you're driving a passenger car, you don't have to worry about getting run over by a semi. Safety. Man, you guys are looking out for it all. Jack, you guys are a great partner for not just Oklahoma, but also Oklahoma State Athletics. And fans are going to be driving all over the state to come to Sooner Athletic events. And you try to make it as easy as possible. And you can still get a new Pike Pass or even pay online. There's no need to visit locations. Tell me about it. Yeah, sure, Chris. You know, what, what we've offered during COVID-19, obviously, has changed our business practices like, you know, 99, probably 100% of other businesses across the world. Uh, what's happened is we really encourage people to go online and open up a Pike Pass. If they travel to Sooner events across the state, uh, you know, no matter where OU's playing, uh, whether it be in Norman or te- Texas or Kansas, uh, they can use their Pike Pass service. So we really encourage people to, to get a Pike Pass. It's the cheapest way to travel throughout Oklahoma. You know, there, well, like, like we keep saying, there are no free roads anywhere in the country. You're either going to pay them through a tax-supported uh, gas tax or you're going to pay them through a toll. And, of course, across the nation, tolls are increasing state by state. So there won't be any state in our nation that will not probably have some type of toll facility in the next five to ten years. It's just not going to happen because as electric vehicles come online, as other vehicles like that come online, your gas tax is going to go down. And so how do you pay for infrastructure uh, when you don't have that gas tax coming in like you used to 10, 15 years ago? So toll is the way to go. Oklahoma still has cheap cheap rates. Uh, our Pike Pass is $40 to open up an account. And I tell you, it goes a long way. So, you know, traveling, you know, for the OU Texas game down in Dallas uh, and, and places like that, it makes it very simple to uh, to use our Pike Pass and, and get around easily when OU's playing wherever they're playing. And it doesn't slow you down either. Obviously, drive the speed limit, but you don't have to stop, dig for change. <laughs> of course. It's, it's right there. You yeah. can grab it. Hey, before I let you go, Jack, and I know you're busy and we really appreciate your time, but you are actively hiring. You're looking for more people. How can we get our resume in? What are you looking for? Sure, yeah. If they go to our website, pikepass.com, we, we are always looking for maintenance personnel, uh, toll attendants, uh, customer service representatives to answer our phone calls. So we're always looking for those type of people. Uh, they can go to our website and look at uh, look up under careers, 
and any job that we have open, uh, they'll be able to apply there. So we're always looking for people. We're really looking for maintenance personnel who those are the guys who really are out in, 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 in the public's eye whenever it's snow and ice on the ground. They're the ones who clear the roads first, drive the snow plows, uh, fix the guardrails. It's a, uh, those guys are very important in our business operation. And so we're always looking for guys and gals, actually. You know, we have some uh, uh, females that are maintenance personnel as well, and we love them as well because they go out there and they do a great job as well. So, you know, we're always looking for men and women to go out there and help us uh, fix the roads and keep our roads safe. Pikepass.com. Contact us is the link on the page down to career opportunities. Hey, I, 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 one more quick thing. Right on the website, we see how you're working with the Harris County Toll Authority, the North Texas Toll Authority, Kansas, Fort Bend, Central Texas. How important has that been to make Pike Pass that much easier to use in so many different areas across a couple of states? Uh, it's opened up the door uh, big time, Chris, really. Uh, now that you can use your Pike Pass in all, in all of Texas and they can use it up here, it really has helped out. You know, we're, we're trying to become interoperable with so many other states. Uh, COVID-19 has kind of slowed that down a little bit because we can't have meetings like we used to. You know, we can't travel, stuff like that. Uh, but that's going to come. You know, we're, we'll probably be interoperable with Colorado and Florida and the southeastern portion of the U.S. here pretty soon, I would hope. Uh, you know, maybe within five years that we'll have a bunch of the southeastern states uh, interoperable with Pike Path. So, it's only going to uh, get better for Pike Pass and those who travel and see OU if they play, you know, if they play Alabama, uh, you know, there's toll roads down there that they'll be able to use their Pike Pass down there or any other school in the southeast. Um, they'll be able to use their Pike Pass hopefully in the next five years. So it's really a game changer as far as we're concerned, and we're looking forward to adding many more states in the future. Jack, you're the man. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, <laughs> and we cannot thank you enough for your support of Oklahoma Sooner Athletics. Well, well, Chris, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you and Toby. Love the broadcast. Uh, of course, I'm a big OU fan, big, been an OU fan forever. And I really think great things are coming for the football program, at least if not this fall, next fall. You know, uh, Lincoln Riley's really got a team set up in the future, and the recruits he's getting is spectacular. So we love being a part of the OU program, and we'll continue to be a part of the program for here, uh, you know, until – Someone tells me no, but I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. So we, we really look forward to the football season coming up. If you're traveling east from Oklahoma City or Norman on the Turnpike, the Chandler exit is now the place to be. Well done by Jack Damrell and the Pike Pass family. We appreciate their support on the Sooner Radio Network. All right, Lincoln Riley in the books. You heard Kate Cavalli getting drafted. You heard from our man Jack Damrell. Let's hear from DeMarco Murray, shall we? Because this weekend we celebrate the 2008 Big 12 champions, national runner-up, Oklahoma Sooner football team. You heard the Bedlam game. I think, what was that, last Saturday? Uh, two Saturdays ago, the 2008 Bedlam game when Sam flipped into the end zone. Now let's hear from DeMarco Murray as we look ahead to the airing of the 2008, Nash, uh, the 2008 Big 12 championship game. I want to be clear. We're talking nothing but the 08 championship game with DeMarco, and this interview was taped about a month ago. So with that disclaimer, here's DeMarco talking about getting back into coaching and the 08 championship soon. You know, we're doing a show that's um, highlighting the 2008 year in the Big 12 because it was such an impactful year with great players everywhere, and that was the year that Oklahoma got to the national championship game, the BCS national championship game. And I remember doing your game – that year at Washington, and it was a 55 to 14 beatdown in Seattle. 
I will put that offensive line of Oklahoma up against any offensive line I've ever seen in 25 years covering college football. How do you describe kind of that team that season? I know it didn't end like he wanted, but how how special was it during the course of the year? It was extremely special. I remember that game. I think the first half we were kind of battling back and forth, and then the second half, I think we may have taken off. Um, but no, that offensive line was was remarkable. It really was. And you know, Phil Lowerholt, um, John Cooper, um, you know, just to name a couple guys, Duke and um, Brandon. Uh, those guys are amazing. Trip Williams, obviously. Um, those guys are amazing. They work their tail off every single day, um, and they made my job a lot easier. Made Sam's job a lot easier. But I always tell guys that that you know um, that that 2018 and that stretch of offensive games that we had where we scored 65 straight points uh, is pretty dang special and um, honored to be a part of it. But um, you know, obviously, being a coach now, I'm trying to break all those records and, and help our guys. You know, obviously forget about that 2008 season and, and get one of those banners that we didn't get that, that year. You, you know, DeMarco, I know that obviously you've, you've had your career in the NFL. And by the way, you were so good on TV. It still blows my mind. You wanted to get in the grind of coaching. You could have had the suit, been judging everyone, but I love it that, that you're coaching now. Everyone now in this area, well, <laughs> well, welcome to what if DeMarco Murray had been healthy in 2008 in those final few games. Can you take us through how frustrating that was for you to get through the whole season, have the most rushing yards you've ever had, uh, your highest yards per carry? I mean, this this team was just just rolling. Can you take us through what that frustration was like for you whenever – what was it, ankle, knee injury hit on the kick return? Knee. Yeah, it was a hamstring injury. Oh, hamstring I thought you dislocated yeah, was... your kneecap. No? No, that was my uh, freshman year. Oh, okay, that got you, got freshman you. Freshman year, yeah. Yeah, second year was a hamstring injury. Um, you know, it, it was frustrating, you know, individually, but, you know, collectively, you know, I, I knew I was a part of a great offense, a great team that year that, you know, helped us get to where we wanted to get. Obviously, it was a big bummer, you know, not to play in the national championship game, probably the biggest game of my career. Um, you know, I was, I was obviously excited and pulling for us, um, but, you know, as a competitor, you want to be out there and help your guys. But, um, no, it was, you know, it was, you know, I try not to, you know, let things like that, you know, I try not to dwell on them. You know, I mean, gotcha. it, it just wasn't meant for me to be in that game, but I definitely think the outcome would have been different. <laughs> well, that, that's what I'm saying. So does every single other person that wears the crimson and cream. And you, Mitch, you're not going to dwell on it, but – can you kind of take us through what that fight was like? You know, we saw the same thing a few years ago with Marquise Brown whenever he hurt his foot in the Big 12 championship game and tried to go, but it just wasn't the same. You couldn't go. Can you take us through the process, DeMarco, and how hard it was with Scott Anderson and that crew trying to grind to get you potentially ready for that game? Yeah, we have we have the best, you know, training staff in America. And, um, you know, Dr. McGinnis, all of our guys in our, in our training department, they, they do an awesome job of taking care of us. Um but yeah, it was it was tough, you know, it really was, and and you know, just mentally, you know, luckily I had been through a couple of injuries that you know, you know, helped me kind of, you know, prepare myself in certain situations that, you know, I didn't go in a dark hole and kind of hide under a rock. So for me, it was all about pulling for your teammates. Now, and I think when when you have a group of guys and a group of leaders like Sam, Jermaine. And obviously, Coach Stewart at the time where they're so positive and, you know, they're, hey, we're going to win this one for you. We're going to, you know, those things encourage you, even though you're not a part of the game physically, but mentally, that helps you more than you'll ever know. 
DeMarco, one of my favorite memories as an OU fan, and that includes, you know, all the way up to today from the games I played in and all that stuff is that 08 game when Texas Tech came to Norman. They they just beaten Texas in a gigantic win for them. And I don't think they were ready, DeMarco. That was one of the epic beatdowns in college football history, in my opinion, with the hype that was coming into that game. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta watch how I answer this because my boss was on the other side of that. He, was, <laughs> I brought it up to him once or twice, so he was, <laughs> you know, obviously Lincoln was on the other side. Um, but honestly, it wasn't Texas Tech's fault. You know, um, we, I, there, if there was one team at that time that you know I wanted to play, obviously we had lost to Texas early on in the previous year. Um, Texas Tech had put a pretty, pretty big, you know, beat down on us. So for us. You know, we wanted that game. We wanted it more than anything. And, you know, it didn't matter really who we were playing, but it just happened to be Texas Tech. And that just made it made the, the standard even higher, you know, for us. Um, so it was it was the best atmosphere. I always try to tell people about this. I mean, that atmosphere was was remarkable. I played in a lot of different atmosphere, a lot of big time games, championships. I mean, that atmosphere in front of our home crowd. I mean, I, I can't tell you. If they weren't there, if they didn't have that much enthusiasm, I can't say the outcome probably would have been the same. You know, I mean, they just they energized us from start to finish, and you know, our guys we came out there and we fought our tails off, and you know, the, the jump around song that that definitely was was definitely special. It was a special night for us. The other game I remember from that year was the Nebraska game at Norman. I did that game, and when we say beat down. I think it's the worst I've ever seen a Nebraska team look. I think Bo Pelini's head was going to explode. Um, but, you know, just just the course of that season. And why we keep asking about it is we are doing a part of a special for 2008. So don't think we're just only living in the past. But um, if you could tell young guys now, you the guys that you've got in your running back room and guys that you're going to recruit moving forward, what were the things that made you special that year? You know, you had over 1,200 yards rushing that season. It was your best year as a Sooner. What made you special? What can you teach them that they've got to do to be that kind of an elite player? Um, I think when you know when you come to the University of Oklahoma, you know, it's going to be a grind. You know, I, I know Gabe can attest to this, just the summer workouts, like he mentioned earlier, the spring workouts, the winter workouts, just um, it, it's a extremely competitive atmosphere here. And it's been here, you know, since Coach Stoops took over in 99 and, and the trend has continued, you know, since Lincoln has taken over. And it's even more competitive now. You know, we're going to challenge guys and we're going to put guys in certain situations to be successful. But as an individual player, as a mindset, when you come to Oklahoma, you know, you know, you're here for one reason. Obviously, you're here to get academic success and get your degree, but you're here on the field to win championships. And, and that was our that was our goal, you know, not just that year, but every year you walk in and you realize how much work and effort you put into it that, hey, you know, we got to come out here and show show the world who we are, show these teams who we are. And, you know, and, and taking care of the Big 12 is always the number one goal. And then obviously, you know, trying to win the national championship is, 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 is the is the, you know, the top goal, the main goal. And, you know, for us, we just realized, hey, you know, we all have one goal. We were all in it together. We're all on this train together. So it wasn't guys bearing to the right or left, but everyone was, was continuing to go, you know, one direction. Now, Holly mentioned the the 1,200 yards rushing, 
in 2010 and, you know, over almost 600 yards receiving 20 touchdowns. Do you think that had anything to do with the red shirt freshman wearing 64 taking over at left guard that season, uh, his first year starting? I don't know. The The numbers don't lie, DeMarco. I mean, I, I'm just saying, I'm just looking at the they stats don't. here, bud. <laughs> they don't. They don't. No, not at all, man. Hey, hey, you let us there. So you got you to gotta give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, that was a great year, man. We, there's so many just – obviously, um, you know, so many guys played a, a key impact to, to that year and – you know, we were, like I said, we're all on one accord and, you know, it didn't matter if you were a first string or fifth string guy, you know, we knew what the ultimate goal was and, 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 you know, the camaraderie between the coaches, between the players, between everyone associated with Oklahoma football and the program itself. Um, we were all on one accord. We're all moving in the same, same direction. So, you know, that makes it easy to accomplish your goals. You, you had just retired from the NFL. You were really, really good on TV. I mean, people were vying for you to work for them. What made you decide to jump back into the grind and, and start kind of from the, the ground floor and start coaching? What, what kind of spurred that decision when you had a really solid media path laid out in front of you? Yeah, you know what? That was always a goal of mine. Um, I got my degree in communications and, um, you know, it was always a goal of mine to obviously, um, you know, work in the media and, 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 you know, call games and and whatnot. And obviously, you know, good friends of mine, Tony Romo and and Witten, seeing seeing those, seeing Romo at the time have a great career and how much fun he was having, you know, um, it allowed me to, you know, retire and and still, you know, obviously spend a lot more time with my family, but um, not work, you know, overly hard or too, too, um, too many hours. So, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I did. You know, I was great friends with John Entz, you know, who was head of the box at the time. And it was hard breaking that this, that, this decision to him when I was leaving. Um, you know, I won't lie. Um, you know, we were still close to this day. Um, but, you know, the ultimate, you know, thing for me is, you know, I've done and I've had tremendous coaches, players, family, people that have helped me get to where I am today. And I felt like I would be cheating the youth if I didn't give them a little bit of, of, of knowledge that I employed over the years. Um, so, you know, my passion has always been, you know, the youth helping young kids prosper their goals on and off the field. So, um, you know, this was a great opportunity to get into coaching and, and really just, you know, you know, give so much knowledge that I feel like I have that I can share to, to young men that, you know, can help them accomplish their goals. And, and ultimately that's the reason why not for the money, not for anything. I don't need it. But I honestly, I enjoy the grind. You know, I enjoy obviously football, and I enjoy that competitive nature and being around a group of men trying to, you know, obviously compete and go get the same goal. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented in part by OU Extended Campus. Degrees online, on site, on your schedule. Become the tradition. OU Extended Campus. And Mercy, and Mercy, your life is our life's work. All right, let's wrap up this elongated edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast with a look back on our Sooner Sound Off show, which aired on Tuesday. Hello once again, everyone, and welcome into the second ever edition of Sooner Sound Off. It is presented today by OU Outreach. It's our brand new show where we take some of the best topics and brightest stars in Sooner history and we toss them around, debate them, try to determine which was the greatest of all time. Today's topic is presented by Taco Mayo, and we decided since it's Women's College World Series time, and unfortunately due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we're not having that event. Oklahoma, virtually an annual appearance in the Women's College World Series, we decided 
to try to decide what's the greatest ever Sooner softball team. Today's topic is presented by Taco Mayo. When you're at Oklahoma, you have four national championships, a Hall of Fame head coach, so you're lucky, and 13 trips, in fact, to the Women's College World Series to talk about. So a lot to choose from for our esteemed panel today. From Sentinel America, from her parents' house, in fact, is Jessica Cootie, who's been on hand for most of those championships. We have the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, who is the defending champion on the show, and we have the people's champion by vote of last week on uh, the internet somehow. That is Chris Plank, the voice of Sooner Softball. So Toby, since you are the defending champion on the show, you are first up, please, the floor is yours for your initial statement. Chad, the 2016 OU softball team was the greatest Sooner softball team of all time. They surprised us, they captured our imaginations, and then they went on one of the greatest runs in softball history. And then they did it again. Jess? Hey, not too often do you see the nation's best pitcher and the nation's best hitter on the very same softball team. Give me 2013. This is not just the best championship team in Oklahoma softball history. This is not just the best team in Oklahoma softball history. This is a team that has an argument as one of the best teams in all of college softball history. Chris Plank, you're playing for second here today. <laughs> no, no, no. I win regardless because I love all four of these teams. And Chad, somehow on the internet, it's called a poll. Come on, man. People vote and they choose the winner. And the winner of this one. Chad doesn't is know Twitter. National That's a very good point, Jess. The 2000 National Championship team for OU softball set the foundation. 13, 16, 17 doesn't happen without 2000. Chad, this is where the championship mindset started. This is where Patty Gasso really cemented her legacy. This is the start. It's not possible without 2000. Jessica, very cocky with her opening statement. That is duly noted. Remember, you cannot believe everything that you read and see on the Internet. The best part about this for me is that I'm the judge, the jury, and the jailer, so to speak, and I can't lose because I didn't win the people's vote or the decision on the show last week. So 2016 is one of my personal favorites because it kind of came out of nowhere, a 31-game winning streak. I think I've started the argument for you, Toby, but take it away. The 2016 team, state your case. Well, Chad, thank you for the time today. You look great, by the way. I don't know if the <laughs> beard has that. ever looked yep. better. The hair is on point. I look forward today hey, stop to the your schmoozing. wisdom and your discernment. Uh, the greatest <laughs> of Patty Gasso's many great softball teams came in 2016. They were so good, Chad, that they won two national championships. The story of the 2016 season is this. A warrior of an ace in the circle a freshman class that came up clutch, two sensational senior leaders, and a win streak for the ages. And by the numbers, it breaks down like this. They went 9-1 and one against the vaunted SEC. Four of those wins came in the Women's College World Series. They featured eight freshmen and four sophomores. They leaned heavily on young talent. And a 31-game winning streak that gave them the belief that they were indeed a national title contender. To understand the magnificence of 2016, you have to remember what happened the year before. In 2015, OU didn't even make it to OKC. They were eliminated in the Super Regionals by Alabama. It was the end of the road for an incredible senior class led by Lauren Chamberlain and Shelby Pendlin. 2016 was supposed to be a reloading year. OU had graduated two of the biggest stars in the sport, and now a big class of talented freshmen was coming in, but it was supposed to take a while to settle in. 
to become a contender, and it looked rough early. The Sooners started 0-2 out of the gates in 2016, but leaning on stalwart Paige Parker in the circle, the young Sooners began to gel. Something special began to happen. Freshmen like Sidney Romero, Shea Knighton, Kaylee Clifton, and Fale Aviu showed that they were ready for the big stage right now. There was no learning curve. Throw in young sophomores like Nicole Pinley and Kelsey Arnold beginning to peak, and the leadership of Big 12 Player of the Year Aaron Miller and Katie Self, and it became obvious that OU had one of the most exciting young teams in America. They just didn't know yet what they didn't know. Then on April 2nd, Kansas, an average team that season, came to Norman and handed the Sooners a 5-2 loss on their home field. And it ticked them off. It definitely ticked off Paige Parker. She didn't give up a run in her next four starts, and OU would go on one of the longest winning streaks in Sooners history. 31 straight Ws, a streak that carried all the way into the championship series of the WCWS. I think, you know, that loss that we had to Kansas kind of sparked something in us that we, you know, we really hated to lose. And so yeah. we just kind of went on a roll from there and, you know, built off of momentum. And the more we kept winning, the more we realized, oh, man, let's just keep this going. And we had some really special chemistry and it was just easy for us to go out and play. And it was like you got to play with your best friends every day. So. Um, it was it was a really special run that we had that year. And, you know, I definitely think that loss to Kansas kind of sparked that for us. I remember coming in and everyone was like, oh, this is a rebuilding year. Like, this is the perfect year to rebuild. And us freshmen, I was just like, coming in with nothing to lose. And that's something that stuck with me. As Coach Gasso said, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And I feel like we lived by that the whole time, our whole four years. And um, the fact that our freshman class came in after Lauren and all of those big names like it was just it was really cool and a proud moment for all of us just because we were able to carry on their tradition and just go in and win a national championship our first year. Sooner fans remember that WCWS well. OU beat Alabama, Michigan, LSU and Auburn twice to secure its third national title. Paige Parker pitched all but one inning in the entire Women's College World Series. She was an absolute rock star and pitching on fumes in game three she came up with one of the clutch performances of all time in a two to one win over Auburn. They were champions again. They captured our imaginations. They were fun. They were carefree. They were dominant. They played with joy and they were a joy for us to watch. And how good Chad was the 2016 Sooners. Almost that entire team came back the next year and they did it again. The 2016 Sooners, the greatest OU softball team of all time. Wow, that is a spectacular argument. They did go back to back. I got to tell you, sometimes it's not about the team or the topic. It's about the person stating the case. Toby is a rare combination of Matlock, Perry Mason, and Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men. He's going to be tough to beat. Don't forget Brad side, Pitt, Chad. Oh, Brad Pitt, I forgot about that. But I don't know that he's ever played an attorney in a movie before. Perhaps he should. I'm sure he'd be great at it. But Jessica Cootie has perhaps the greatest softball team of all time to talk about, the 2013 Sooners. That's when we come back right after this on Sooner Sound Off. Thank you to our Cornerstone Television partners, OU Medicine, Anheuser-Busch, and OU Extended Campus, and our community partners, Landers Auto Group, Devon Energy, Coca-Cola, and OU Medicine. 
Welcome back into Sooner Sound Off presented by OU Outreach. We are debating the best team in Sooner softball history. And in segment one, Toby Rowland was up first. Compelling case for 2016. The first of, as it turned out, back-to-back -back championships. Great players on that team. Maybe one a little sooner than expected. Up next is Jessica Cootie in 2013, a team for the ages with stars like Kalani Ricketts and, of course, softball home run queen Lauren Chamberlain. I think Patty Gasso might have even said this is the greatest Sooner team of all time. So, Jessica, no pressure. It's yours to lose, and the floor is yours. <laughs> Yeah, and listen, to fully understand the dominance of that 2013 13 team, you have to rewind back a year. The Sooners took game one of the 2012 championship series, but then went on to lose two and ultimately the title to Alabama. Fueled by that experience and that heartbreak, this 2013 team was on a mission from day one and with almost everybody back from that runner-up team, everybody on that team understood what that mission was. And listen, one of the most complete lineups you'll ever see from top to bottom offensively and defensively. Just take a look at the names on this rock roster. You mentioned Kaylani Ricketts, the two-time player of the year, Lauren Chamberlain. Nobody in the history of college softball has hit more home runs than Lauren Chamberlain, but it's not just Lauren. It's names that, that's all over the record books. Shelby Penley, Jessica Schultz, number one, two, and three of all-time career home run leaders in the Big 12 history. You've got Jessica Schultz, arguably the best catcher in program history, and then Brianna Terang out in the outfield, a second-team All-American that year. Shelby Pinley, by the way, was the 2013 Big 12 Player of the Year. And as I'm going to show you here in just a few minutes how clutch even the bottom half of the lineup was. So already on paper, one of the best teams Patty Gasso had ever assembled. They had the experience of coming up short. They knew what it takes. So receiving the number one overall seed into the postseason, they rolled through the regional, including a 14 to one run rule over Arkansas. But the very next day, after clinching a spot in the Super Regional, May 20th, 2013, just 10 miles up the road from Marita Hines Field, a deadly F5 tornado ripped through Moore, Oklahoma. Just complete destruction. 24 lives were lost, including nine-year-old softball player Sydney Angle. That week, the team went up to help with the cleanup efforts in Moore. And that weekend, hosting Texas A&M in the Super Regional, they invited Casey Angle, Sydney's sister, to come be the Batgirl. And she was in the dugout with this team the whole rest of the way. They wore SA, the initials, on their helmets as well. So this already dominant team on a mission was playing for, for a bigger purpose. They wanted to bring joy to the state of Oklahoma in morning. And listen, I could show you a montage of the 94 home runs that this team hit, the 29 shutouts, the six no-hitters from Kaylani Ricketts. But I need just two games to prove my point, and it's the two games of the championship series against Tennessee. A pitcher's duel between Kaylani Ricketts and Tennessee's Ellen Brenfro. Ricketts was once again fantastic, a no-hitter through six innings. But and in fact, we were scoreless through ten. But in the bottom of the or in the top of the eleventh, Tennessee took a three-run lead on a three-run home run for Madison Shipman. But in the bottom of the eleventh, again, this team on a mission, refusing to quit, with twice down to their final strike with two outs. It's the seven, eight, and nine hole hitter that came up huge for Oklahoma. It's Destiny Martinez with her first triple of the season. It's Callie Parsons who ties it all up in three at three. 
And then Kehlani Ricketts with another scoreless one, two, three inning with all the momentum heading for Oklahoma's way. As we know, the rest is history. Lauren Chamberlain with a two run home run. It was her 60th career home run out of all, but out of all of her 95. She'll tell you that it was the most important home run that she hit. And then you move to game two and Kehlani Ricketts had pitched every single game of that World Series that year, but it was Michelle Gascoigne that got the ball, and Kehlani Ricketts said it was her time, and boy, was it. What did she do? She goes on to pitch the first shutout since 2008, and there hasn't been a shutout in a game clinching series since, and who was it? It was Kehlani Ricketts that delivered at the plate, and as Patty Gasso puts it, just an unbelievable, amazing team with everything they had to fight through that year. As soon as our season was over and we sat right there and we did the same thing we did when this game was over. We got together and prayed as a group and said, you know, th thank God for the opportunity that we had to play for a national championship. Let us learn from it. And from that moment on, there was pressure on us and we knew it because we were going in as the favorites. And um, we followed the path and we trusted each other and we knew that our time was coming and just believing in it and it's here and it's just like surreal and it's but it's so deserving I can't even tell you that the performances that these guys had in the game last night is something that I will watch forever and ever and the ending of this I will watch forever and ever it was just an amazing group amazing it had it all right there, a dominant team, stars. You tugged at my heartstrings as well, but you did go a little bit over your time limit. I have to admit that. So we've had two arguments, one for 2016, the first of back-to-back -back championships for the Sooners. 2013 may be the most dominant team in all of softball history, but it could be said without the team Chris Plank is going to argue for next, the 2000 Sooners, we might not have had the other three national championships. Chris is up last. Did we save the best for last? Find out when we return on Sooner Sound Off. Air Comfort Solutions, your total home solution for plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. Make the winning call today. Taco Mayo, fresh ingredients built to order. The Trails Golf Club, Norman's Club of Choice, Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics, Community Coffee, family-owned Community Coffee, the official brewed coffee of OU Athletics. Taste the difference family makes. Again, to Sooner Sound Off presented by OU Outreach. Our topic today, greatest softball team in Sooner history. We've heard compelling arguments from Toby Rowland arguing for the surprise of 2016. Jessica Cootie arguing for the dominance of 2013. But maybe we saved the best for last because the best may have been the first as in the 2000 National Championship team, the first for Hall of Fame head coach Patty Gasso. And who better to present the case than the voice of Sooner Softball? Here's Chris Plank. Thanks, Chad. This has been one of the hardest ones for me in our early kind of rounds of debates to truly decide because 16 and 17 were near and dear to my heart. I was there for every step of the way. I saw the grind of Paige Parker. I saw the clutch nature of Shea and Sid Romero. 13, two of my favorite people on the planet are Kehlani Ricketts and Lauren Chamberlain. It was the first year I really got to cover softball. But I chose 2000 because none of that happens without the 2000 National Championship. The foundation and the words used to describe this team by Patty Gasso, fearless, zero 
panic. I was blessed a couple weeks ago to sit in on the Zoom roundtable, kind of the reunion, if you will, from this 2000 National Championship team. And the coolest thing was, this wasn't their first reunion. They talk all the time. This was a bond that was created that has lasted for life. And you think about the names, and you think about the history, the Jen Stewart's of the world, Lakeisha Washington, and the jobs that they did, Lisa Carey, Kelly Bryce. These are the superstars that laid the foundation for the future of this program. And their path, oh wow, their path was something else. Because not only were they underdogs, but regionally, they broke barriers unlike we've ever seen in this sport. First of all, the Pac-10 had dominated at the time in college softball. The only time there had been a non-West Coast slash Pac-10 team that won a championship was 1984 when Texas A&M did it. And then Fresno State stuck in, uh, snuck in there. Uh, of course, it's still a West Coast team, but wasn't a Pac-10 team. Patty Gasso's 2000 National Championship broke the regional barrier in this sport and it also broke a barrier on the campus for the University of Oklahoma as it became the first women's national championship on campus. I know first doesn't always equal the best, but it laid a foundation that has lasted, well, a lifetime, if you will, with Sooner softball. And don't take my word for how important this was. Take Jen Stewart's and Patty Gasso's. Friendship, I think, is like one of the best things I've taken out of this is um, I mean, these are some of my best friends still to this day. Um, you know, we try and get together at least once a year if we can. Um, and I feel like not a lot of teams probably do that, you know? Um, and I think that was coach making us like a family, you know, it was all about family. It was all about the bond that we shared and um, the experiences we went through. And I mean, I just, it was like, like everyone has said, I mean, it was probably one of the greatest moments of my life. Okay, I'm gonna say this live. This was my favorite championship. <laughs> it again so I can video it. <laughs> say that, but, um, because it set the standard and the stage for what? If this didn't happen, I don't know that we'd be where we are today. So. How can I not say it was my favorite? You know, Jen Stewart talked about the job that she did against Arizona. I think that's one of the more fascinating stories in this entire run for the University of Oklahoma. Jen Stewart, when they went out to Arizona earlier in the season, they were shut out. And Arizona was to college softball what we see in, with Oklahoma and Clemson and Alabama in college football. It was just impossible to beat them. And the Sooners went out there and they got beat 6-0. Patty Gasso, in the game before the World Series championship, handed the ball to Jen Stewart and said, you've got this. And what did Jen Stewart do? She went out through a complete game, allowed six hits and struck out four, zero runs. When they played Arizona earlier in the year, they were nearly run rule. They lost six to zero. So they continue to find ways to bounce back and they continue to find ways to show their resiliency, their resolve, and that keyword, zero panic. Now, again, I'm not trying to tug on the heartstrings here too much, but you heard what Patty Gasso said. This was her favorite championship. And the reason why, it set the foundation. They didn't know it was the championship mindset at the time, but it developed the championship mindset. And if they don't win that championship in 2000, there was a really good chance that Patty Gasso was on her way back to the West Coast and maybe coaching softball at Oklahoma wasn't going to be the way to go. The 2013 champions were incredibly talented. 16 and 17 back to back, 
but none of them are possible, Chad McKee, without that 2000 national championship. Wow. I'm blown away by that argument, I have to tell you. And I think if you were going into this horse race, that probably would have been third in a lot of people's minds. But Chris Plank has given us something to think about. Nothing left to do, to do but for me to determine a winner. We'll do that next when we come back on Sooner Sound Off. The Sooner Podcast is your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. Listen as Toby Rowland and Chris Plank talk all things Sooners. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Log on to Soonersports.tv slash podcast to listen to old shows and subscribe to always get the newest ones. Log on to Soonersports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics Exclusively. Sooner Sports TV personalities wardrobe is provided by Threads Menswear and Blush on Campus Corner. Hair and makeup provided by Clementine Hair Lounge. Welcome back, everyone, to Sooner Sound Off. This week, since it is Women's College World Series time, we decided to debate the greatest softball team in Sooner history. And we had a lot to choose from. Four national championship teams. And the debatees today get a chance with their closing arguments. 2016, 2013, and 2000 were the choices of our panelists today. And first up with his closing argument, the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. Chad, you're the champion today in my books. You've hosted like a champion for sure. One thing you can always count on when you're the host, there will be no fishiness. That we appreciate out of you. The 2016 you. OU softball team was Patty Gasso's greatest team. An ace that was invincible, young guns that were unflappable, a win streak that was unfathomable, and a Women's College World Series performance that was unmistakable. Then they went copy and paste again the next year. Amazing. It was so amazing, Chris Plank went to Disney World afterwards. <laughs> Jessica, give me your closing argument. Hey, you pulled out the dictionary for that closing argument, didn't you? Hey, this 2013 was the first championship team in the history of softball to lead the nation in both pitching and scoring. 57 games won that year, 25 by run roll. In the postseason, a perfect 10-0, outscoring opponents 91-16. to In the title game, your number two pitcher throws a three-game complete game shutout, and your star pitcher is the star hitter at the plate. How many teams can say that? Ralph Weekly, the co-head coach for Tennessee that year, who had spent nine years with Team USA, said that Oklahoma team could have beaten most teams in the country, even the great ones. Lauren Chamberlain said it was a video game-like year. It was a team on a mission with the talent already, but then playing for a bigger purpose for the state of Oklahoma as I lost my earpiece there. And if that doesn't sell it itself, I asked Lauren Chamberlain herself. She agrees with me. 2013, the best team in Oklahoma softball history. Hard to disagree with the home run champion, and I truly don't disagree with Toby either. All three were great championships. My foundation has been very simple, Chad. None of those happened without 2000. And yeah, 2013 was one of the most dominant teams in the postseason we've ever seen. 2016 and 17 may have been the the peak of Patty Gasso's coaching and seeing the youth come together. But the championship mindset started with 2000 and the foundation was built. It regionally diversified the sport since the Sooners won it in 2000. Other conferences like the Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC have committed to built and won national championships in softball 
it didn't just change the sport for Oklahoma, it changed the sport across the board. Wow, our closing arguments, by the way, were presented this week by Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of Sooner Athletics. So my thought process here, Toby, it was back-to-back -back championships. You unleashed a barrage, a Johnny Cochran-like barrage of adjectives and adverbs, incredibly impressive. Jessica, dominance, tugged at our heartstrings during your argument, but I am with Chris Plank. Listen, if I went against the voice of Sooner softball in a softball argument, what kind of a host or judge would I be? Good call. And Patty Gasso That's a good said, call. it's her favorite team. I can't go against four Natty Patty. So congratulations, Chris Plank is the winner by Way my to go, determination. Plank. Congratulations, Plank. Now, we want our viewers out there to help us determine who they think was the winner. You can log on to Soonersports.tv's Twitter account, voice your opinion, see who was right, who was wrong, and declare the people's champion. Chris Plank won it last week. He Warren won it Chamberlain's show. not going to be happy Will with you, Will he win Chad? with the people? I'm, I'm sorry, Lauren. I apologize. More debates next time. We'll see you then on Good Sooner job, Plank. I would like to say the... Approval of my coworkers means a lot. The fan vote, being the a man of the people as I am, means even more. So when the poll comes up on Monday, please vote at Sooner Sports TV for the 2000 championship team. Though this is like asking me which of my kids I like or love more. All of these teams are worthy, and the 2017 team was only, I guess you could say, eliminated because I used them the week before for the greatest postseason run in Sooner Sports history. This week we'll be debating, and think about this one, Sooner fans, the greatest single-game performance in OU football history. There it is. That's what's on tap for this week. And I didn't, I didn't talk a lot after DeMarco's interview because I just wanted to kind of make sure the podcast kept rolling. But I can't thank Mike Houck and the Sooner Media Relations Department for giving us the opportunity to talk to DeMarco and wax nostalgically on that 2008 team. Can't wait for you guys to hear on the classic broadcast coming up tomorrow, the OU-Missouri game. It'll be available right around 5 o'clock. Our affiliate, 107.7 The Franchise, will air it tomorrow afternoon. I think it starts at noon, as will Sports Talk 1400 in the Norman area. So a couple of places where you can listen to it live. And that's what's on tap, presented by OG&E. OG&E is power at the speed of life. And also on tap, Kate Cavalli. Skip Johnson, and much more on the incredible draft week that has been for Sooner Baseball coming up next week on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Also, I want to remind you we're going to have a very special episode as we look back on the week that has been in coming together and fighting for equality. We're going to hear from several members of the coaching and administrative community, a special podcast episode dropping tomorrow. Until then, have a great start to your weekend. And Boomer Sooner, everybody.